Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. This is not only our very special mailbag edition, it's the very, very first not only mailbag, but Motley Fool Money podcast for 2022. Happy New Year, Andrew Page. 2022 already. Wow. Happy New Year. Thank you, mate. I'd like to um, make comment on how the year started and uh, all that good stuff, but um, we're pre-recording this. And frankly, given the last couple of years, I'm making no predictions of what's happened in the last day and a half. So let's just let's assume everything's okay. <laughs> Hope everything's okay and uh, move forward with optimism. And what do you reckon? Is that good? Yeah, I'll go with that. What else can you do? <laughs> Duck and cover, I'm not sure. <laughs> mate, um, let's, let's get straight into it. We've got heaps of questions. And again, a thank you, as I said last week, for all the great questions from our members or our listeners. Sorry. Here's one from Alex. Hey, Scott and Andrew. I'm a relatively new investor who's moving from holding just two ETFs to becoming a capital F foolish investor. I have a strategy to invest X dollars each month and grow my portfolio over time. My question is around, this is a really common one, mate. How to grow my portfolio? Do I put my monthly budget into one stock, split my budget between several stocks each month? Do I reinvest in the existing holdings? Do I use the buy recommendations of each month or accumulate until a buy that I feel particularly passionate about comes along? Help, he says. Your discussion will be most informative. Well, this will be the most informative part. Thanks from Alex. It's a good question, mate. It's um, mm. it's always hard to think about how to, I mean, regardless of whether you're, you're a member of a, an investing service like ours or a community like yours or just a private investor, trying to work out how frequently to invest and how to think about what to invest in, buy more of what you already own, buy some new stocks. We have different questions along this kind of theme relatively regularly. Mm. Um, some people are listening for a while. We've tackled this question a couple of times before, I think, over the long term, mate, but um, there are always new listeners coming in. And rather than make them go back to the very first episode to listen, we will try and occasionally uh, cover up some old ground. This is one of those. But I'm interested in whether you have a different perspective. What do you reckon? How, what do you do if you're, you've got some money, you're putting some money aside every month? How do you think about investing it, mate? How frequently in what stocks? <laughs> Well, in Alex's case here, he's he's got two ETFs mm-hmm. uh, as a start. So if you're just going um, as an ETF uh, low cost index fund, I would just say just stick with that. You don't you're already diversified. You know, two is probably enough. One for Australia, one for overseas. Yeah. You know, whenever you get a bit of extra cash, put it in. You know, I mean, you don't want to be doing it if you've saved up fifty bucks over the month because the brokerage will eat you alive. But yeah. you know, once you've got a reasonable amount of, of, of money there, so the, the brokerage isn't isn't too onerous, then yeah, just do it. That's it. Job done. Uh, it's all over, yeah. Red Rover. You, you don't have, you don't you don't need to you don't need to make it any more complicated right, than exactly. that. If you are going with individual stocks, that's mm. a much more difficult yeah. decision. You definitely don't want to force. In my view, don't want to force it. Mm. Um, uh, and you'll often a lot of the greats talk about this as well. You'll often go for like what feels like an eternity, which is I don't mm. have any good ideas. I don't have any good ideas. And then when it rains, it pours. You'll be you'll be spoiled spoil for choice. <laughs> so I think you, you do like what you do will very much depend on the opportunity set that's in front of you, your mm. conviction that is around that, uh, and and all the rest of it. So that that's a much more difficult question. So it, I, I feel as Alex is getting to that 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 part of it and when it is with that part of it I haven't actually bought anything major for a little while now and I just I just you know I would like to I would like (laughs) to don't get me wrong Mm. I just I'm not overly compelled uh, at this point in time Mm. Um, that'll change and when it does um, I'll hopefully react with with um, (laughs) <laughs> with great gusto, vim and vigor. Um, I also think too that generally speaking, if you're doing this right, the best stock to buy is probably one you already own. Mm. I think I'm, I'm with Buffett on this idea of diversification. I think beyond a certain point, you know, I think that, that was Lynch, dude. Was it? I think it was no. Lynch. Oh, well, usually you say say Buffett and you're right <laughs> nine times out of ten. That's right. <laughs> diversification. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm googling it right now. Diversification investor. Okay. Um, here we go. Well, while you're searching, I just, oh, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, this, this idea, you get to a point <laughs> where, you know, I know actually more than a few people, they've got like 50 stocks mm. in their portfolio. Mm. One, it's a huge amount of work. Two, if you mm. get all the benefits of diversification after about 20, 25, really, there's different studies that sort yep, of show yep. different things, but really that's where it starts to max out. Why do you want to buy the, the, the market's 26th best stock? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems really silly to me. So, um, and if if the best stock to buy isn't one that you already hold, you've got to ask, why am I holding that stock for? Yep. You know, so there's there's that angle to I it. Think as that's well. actually, yeah, I think that's a really important. Uh, you that's know, the same coin, yeah. 
It's just kind of like, oh, no, this is a much better one. Well, you, yep. you know you can press a couple of buttons and sell that and reinvest it over there, right? Like I know often there's some tax considerations around that, but you really want to make sure that whatever you feel, whatever players you're fielding <laughs> are the best ones <laughs> and that you leave the less the less capable ones on the bench. Correct, correct, um, yep. and, 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 yeah, so I, I, that, that, that's how I tend to think about it. Um, you just you just have to see what is available out there, and when 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 opportunity strikes, swing swing hard, mm. and know that after you swing, it'll it'll <laughs> it probably won't go well for you in the immediate <laughs> aftermath because it's just that's just yeah. volatility in that. But but you'll you'll generally do pretty well over time if if that's the approach you take. So I love that you answered that way. I thought you might because I'm going to take exactly the opposite view. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought some. We're pre-recording this episode. We're recording it in December, and I bought shares of three companies this morning uh, in the US. And I won't tell you what they are because I'm not allowed to. I probably could actually enter our trading rules because it's far enough away that uh, I will have well and truly those trades will have cleared. We are, we're blocked two days either side from talking about our trades publicly, but because it's being pre-recorded, I can probably tell you. It was Amazon. I bought some more Berkshire Hathaway, believe it or not. You'll like that. Uh, and I bought some. What else did I buy? Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and PayPal. And, um, and mate, that, that was because I had some money in my US account. I hadn't invested it. And I went, you know what? I'm sick of sitting on cash. I'm going to find my best three ideas and invest in them. And there mm-hmm. were three companies I already owned, by the way. Mm-hmm. Now, and when I, say, when I say it's different to your answer, that's kind of the same as your answer, except that I wasn't buying those three because I thought, man, they're so cheap. I've got to go and use some of that cash and go and invest it. I was actually doing the reverse. Like, I just, I hate sitting on cash. I know you're the opposite, which is great. Um, I'm a, I will, it was, by the way, Peter Lynch. I found that uh, while you were chatting. Okay. Uh, but Buffett's, Buffett's talked about, you know, being caught with his pants up, throw, throw a Buffett quote in to make sure we do hit our Buffett quote <laughs> for this episode. Do it early, that way we can relax for the rest of the episode. Um, I'm, a, I'm a caught with your pants up kind of guy. You know, I think the market will go higher. We kind of briefly touched on this last week. Um, but, you know, if the market's going to go higher over time, and I think it will, then earlier is better than later in my mind to be invested. Uh, I like those three companies. And I come in, you know what, I'm just, I don't want to sit on that cash. I'm going to go on, put that money to work. And so that's exactly the opposite of what you suggested in a way. I mean, bought the same socks and I wasn't buying them at terrible prices. Those were attractive prices. Well, I was going to say, you, I mean, by almost by definition, you must feel as though they're at least fair prices, yeah, right? Totally, like totally. if, if you thought price, that they were yeah. stupidly overpriced, you wouldn't do it. No, and that's your point about the best ones you own. The ones that are probably the ones you own because it was exactly right. I expect these to be long-term market beaters. So, of course, it makes sense if I still think that, that I add to them, that makes that, which is the same as your other point. But mm. I'm not a sit around on my cash weight for the big the big pitch, ironically, despite the fact I do love Uncle Warren. Uh, you're much more Buffett-esque in this sense than I am. Um, our service, we run a multi share advisor, invests money um, every month, or, or sorry, doesn't actually invest money, rec- makes recommendations every month for our members to follow. Um, monthly cadence, regardless of the market, regardless of whatever, we pick the best stock we can find at that point. Um, that's why it's been pretty good. Oh, by the way, uh, officially 10 years old as of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, How'd you so go? Much, that's, 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 we're pretty well, pretty well. The average average stock pick was up about 72% versus the market of up about 44% over 10 years, Boom. which I'm pretty happy nice. with that. Um, nice. but I, I bet you, I bet you there's a bunch of dogs in there though. Thank you. There are a lot of dogs in can there. I, I'm, not, I'm not having fun. I just, I think I know, it's I always know. worth pointing out because- Oh, totally. I, I think it just, I know, sorry, I don't mean to um, distract oh, you from, from the point <laughs> you're making. <laughs> but a lot, a lot of people miss this. There's a 10-year yes. market yes, outperformance yes, exactly. in that. And so the exactly. natural reaction is, oh, you've picked some really great stocks and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. da, 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 da. You've t- well, actually, Winners you've, you've back ju- to back. You've exactly. just told us that actually there was no timing component to that whatsoever. Yeah, correct. That there was a bunch of dogs within that. I bet that some of the ones that performed really well performed really badly in the immediate <laughs> aftermath of, of when well, you, yeah, w- right. No, um, no, we mentioned so, corporate travel. I mentioned travel stocks last week. I own corporate travel management shares. Um, they went from I think the first recommendation was under two, under three dollars. They went up to twenty eight and back to eighteen during the GF. Jesse, I keep saying that the COVID crash. They fell to five dollars mm. uh, before coming back to now being over twenty again. So yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. It just it just happens. It's just it's yeah. worth pointing because that is normal. That is normal, yeah. Yeah. and just too many people forgo a lifetime of incredible compounding opportunities because mm-hmm. they think, oh yeah, the market. I get it. Yep, really cool. I'm going to do it. Buy, 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 buy. A few go bad. Some of them go really bad. <laughs> uh, the whole thing doesn't go well in the next mm-hmm. six months. Oh, this is stupid. I'm out. And and that it's the yeah. worst lesson to possibly learn. So it's worth reiterating that success is underpinned by all of these things that mm-hmm. are just really counterintuitive. So I just I just wanted to make the point. Can I can I add to that, mate? This is not an ad for share advisor at all because this is past and the future is the future. Um, but he, I'm, can I, I'm just going to read up a paragraph of what I wrote to our members and readers. Hopefully, some people listening have already read this before. Um, here we go. Uh, since in the 10 years, this was written on the 3rd of December, I think, from memory, for the 5th, which was our 10th anniversary. 
We made 121 recommendations. Our biggest ASX winner is corporate travel management. I own shares, which we recommended on August 23, 2012, and which are up at the exact 1,000% at the time of writing. I said in brackets, 1,000.818%. 1,000.18% to be exactly 10X. exact. Mm-hmm. My biggest illusion was Licentia, currently at 97.48%, which was recommended on November 26, 2015. Yep, that one hurts. And here's some numbers to your point. We've made 49 ASX recommendations which have lost money. Some have mm. since been sold. Others are still current recommendations and we're hopeful of better returns in future. 72 have made money. Similarly, many are still current recommendations. And here's the thing. Encouragingly, while our worst loser is down that ugly 98%, we've made 33 ASX recommendations that have at least doubled. Many of those have tripled and more. And then I said, overall, the average of our ASX recommendations over that decade is a gain of 73.2%. If we'd invested in the all ordinaries instead of our recommendations on each recommendation date, the average gain would have been 44.4%. So that's that's just the full context, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, worth, I'm worth glad you said the winners and the losers. I just want to share that. So we've made 49 out of 121 stocks are actually in, not an illusion to the market. We've actually lost money mm. overall. Mm. We put a, put a dollar in and we've got less than a dollar's worth of each of those, we haven't literally, but metaphorically, of each of those 49 companies, but 33 yeah. have at least doubled and uh, many are up. I said corporate travel's at uh, 11x. It's going to 1,000%, uh, playing up the double, triple, quadruple, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, so. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, just uh, just whether it's you guys or any of the, the really successful fund managers, yeah, out there, totally. that, that, it's it's always that story yep. and it's yep. just pe- people, people really forego incredible opportunity mm-hmm. by having – it's all about expectation and the expectation is that do well is that you do well Right from the get go, all the time. Yeah, that's right. And right. that you have a really high strike rate. Yep. And, and look, yep. we, we've got a bit of an experiment in in strawman. Well, people right. have all these play money portfolios. I can tell you, the people oh, coming right, yeah. at the top, they've got a whole bunch of rubbish mm. in their mm. portfolio. Mm. But the ones that go well, man, they go really well. <laughs> and 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 it just it's just it is normal. So just really important to stress. Back to the uh, question. Peter, <laughs> Peter, just quickly, Peter Lynch, let's bring a Lynch again. Uh, said, if you're good in this game, you're right six times out of ten. Yeah. Our, our, that 49 of 121 that, we got, that we're losing money on is exactly 40.49%. <laughs> there you go. Are you that, good that's, pretty, that's pretty close to the six. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not saying that, but it's, it's pretty Lynchian, right? Like Lynch yeah. was right. Um, we didn't expect anything different to that. And, and again, that's the point, right? Even though we were been wrong, literally wrong, we've lost money four times out of 10. Uh, we're actually up meaningfully against the market. And think about that compound over, over time. Hopefully it's a, a good win. Anyway, yeah. no, enough about Excellent. Us. Well um, done. Congrats. Alex, I... Oh, thanks, mate. Um, I... Oh, I mean, you don't want to buy a few each month necessarily. Otherwise, depending on how much you're saving, if you're saving, you know, 500 bucks a month, buying three stocks is not very useful. Um, so it does depend on how much you're saving every month. Um, you can, we've said before, if you are, if you want to just simply follow the Motley Fool, whichever service or any service, really, any any whatever recommendation, if you want the, the average return the, the the service gets, you need to buy the same stocks the service is recommending. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to simply outsource your stock picking, that's that's how I would do it. Um, if you want to, though, Andrew says regularly, you can borrow an idea but not a conviction. If you need that conviction, if you're not going to trust us in the down times as well as the up times, then yeah, wait and make sure you like the stocks we're recommending. Um, my only my only caveat there, Ram, is, is one I used in general, not about our service, just in general, is if you're going to second guess someone, make sure your second guess is at least as good as their second guess mm, <laughs> um, yeah. or their first guess. Uh, you know, plenty of people have said, oh, well, I bought these three stocks and they're all down. I said, well, what about the ones in between? Oh, I didn't like those ones. Well, you picked the ones that I did badly on, and I'm sorry about that. I don't, I don't feel good about that. I'm not excusing it. But you didn't pick the ones I was right on, and, and I didn't say only buy those ones or, or you know, just because yeah. you liked a sector or a stock or whatever, um, and then blame me for getting it wrong. Again, I'm not shirking responsibility for that, but it's just a reminder to, you know, if you had a second guess, just rec- recognise you're taking on the risk of actually saying, you know what, so I like those ideas, but these ones I like more, that's completely fine and it's great. Just know whenever you're choosing a subset of someone else's ideas, if you're using your criteria rather than theirs, um, your returns will vary positively or negatively from their returns and that can be great or it can be terrible or somewhere in between. But just know that you're doing that. You're taking an extra level of, I would sort of call it risk, but divert... Uh, What's the, what's the difference? You're taking a more difference. Yeah, it's, it's likely to be, was, risk is the word the academics would use, but you're going to have a variable outcome. And so it'll be better or worse or somewhere in between um, if you choose any one subset than what they're going to get themselves. And when we're right four times out of 10, if you're only picking two stocks or three stocks or four stocks, maybe you get two in each bucket. Maybe there's three in one bucket, one in the other. Uh, maybe you get one that we like and three that go badly. And in that case, you're, you're, you know, you're going to do worse than us. So just be mindful of, don't if you're going to second guess, be careful how you second guess. Hmm. Does that make sense, mate? 
Yeah, I've, I've long said that for mm. for the for any any kind of newsletter advisories, whatever. You either there's only two ways to play it. You're either mm. all in in the yep. sense that I'm just blow by blow. I'm playing. I'm doing exactly the same thing and yep. guaranteeing myself the average return. Yes. Or I'm saying that this is an idea generator. That's mm-hmm. all it is. I'm paying whatever it is per year, and that's just going to give me some ideas that I am then going mm-hmm. to take and do my own due diligence on and make up my own mind on. Yes. And then that's how you do it. And 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 there's no either or. Is right? I mean, I, yeah. I know. Yeah. I in fact, some of the best fund managers I know subscribe to all of the different newsletters. Yeah. They, and they and they probably hate half the ideas that come out. Of them. <laughs> that's right. You know, but they that's do right. it because it's yeah. a way of. Ju- there's so many stocks out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a way of just basically saying, oh, put something on your radar. And then, and if that, but it, but it's your decision. It sounds like you're sort of shirking responsibility, yeah, but it's yeah. it's like, it it is all care, no responsibility. I, I say mm, it all the mm, time. No one cares mm. about your money more than you do. Yeah, and it's just really not. You're not you're not doing yourself a favor by uh, by shifting blame elsewhere. You're pulling mm. that trigger, and and it is your decision. And I think it's not to be mean or anything like that. But I think you need to treat it with that level of respect and awareness. Because what's at stake is is your life savings, and and you know you need to take it deadly seriously. And 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 I don't apologise for that. And if that's the way that you're going to play, by all means, that's how I play it, um, and that's fine. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. But yeah. but you can't you can't go around at the next you know barbecue telling everyone how much of a genius you are when it goes <laughs> right. right, and then correct, blaming correct. everyone else when it goes correct, wrong. Correct, it correct. just it just doesn't work. And I'm saying yeah. this is sort of a, a cruel-to-be-kind kind of thing, but it is. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's right. You know, you, you, yep. You've, yep. you've got to do it that way mm-hmm. um, because that that – <laughs> that's how it is. So yeah, and 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 it's why it's all like no matter who the advisor is, you've got to you've got to look at them really skeptically, and you've got to say, okay, Scott likes this. I, I like Scott. He seems like a good guy. He's got a good ten year record. Great. But I'm going to look at everything he puts forward with a with a, yes. not a cynical lens, but a skeptical lens. Yeah, yeah. How how could he be wrong? Wow, he's wrong forty percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, so there's, yeah. So there's yeah. a good chance he is wrong. Um, you know, and I'm not having a go at you individually. I'm saying no, this for right. myself. No, for that's absolutely right. Spot on. Yep. You know, and and then not and then from that at all. And then once you've made that decision, it's your mm-hmm. decision, and yes. and that's the way you've got to play it. Yes. Just remember, if you're saying I'm wrong or Andrew's wrong or someone else is wrong. You, you know the chance that you're right about me being wrong and wrong about me being right. You kind of the odds don't necessarily change, right? <laughs> so you've got to be you've got to be righter than me, or yeah, you know, or, or equally right, or maybe more wrong to pick those four because I can't pick them. Uh, and if you can, then great. Um, by the way, Motley Fool's always hiring, so uh, let us know if you have a really good long term track record. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you, yeah, you just you're just taking that risk, and that's that's okay too. Yeah. Mate, um, let's move on to a question from Ross, which I really liked. It's interesting, not only because it talks about US trading, which is always interesting, but also the kind of mentality of investing. He says, I've got a question for the podcast. Is there a way to trade US stocks after hours in Australia? Do any of the local platforms allow that? During earnings season, I would like the option to respond quickly to buy or sell. I'd be burnt 30% on Peloton this week and would have increased other positions after hours if I could. I'm referring to after hours trading in US markets from Australia. I know many US platforms offer the service, but you can't use them when you're based in Australia. I like to add that I see myself as a long-term investor, not a Johnny Day trader, but due to exposure to some extended growth stocks that can fluctuate wildly when earnings are announced, I would like the option to quickly trim or add to a position. Currently being unable to do this puts me at a disadvantage when the markets are moving after hours. Thanks. By the way, I love the pod, and Andrew seems to seems like a good bloke, but we all know you're the real OG. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. I, my, my, my estimation of you has gone up immeasurably since then. Uh, not only because you realise I'm the OG, but also that Andrew's not bad, but not quite as good. Um, I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, but very kind. Thank you, Ross. But Andrew, Andrew is a very good bloke. Um, he's been a mate for many years. We worked together for a while, as long-term listeners will know. Uh, and I am very privileged to do this podcast with him. I enjoyed it immensely, by the way. Um, don't tell the boss. He doesn't listen, so that's okay. But uh, this is just this is fun. This is really good fun. And we get to do it in workouts, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Mate, um, let's let's go to Ross's question, though. I, you're not, you don't own US shares directly. I'm not sure how much knowledge or otherwise you have about the after-hours trading options in Australia. Mm, no, and don't care. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's move on. Then. No, uh, bro, <laughs> well, can I, I, I just, I'll, elaborate, I'll elaborate. I, I, I just, I feel as though there's, and you know, um, I, I, you just annoyed at Ross for calling me the OG, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, he's right. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely right. Um, that, look, the, 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 I think there's a bit of a, um, it's a furphy to think that mm-hmm. you could. If only you could react a little bit faster, that you would be okay. Things move so rapidly. 
Yep. And that, you know, I, I don't I don't think your results are going to change at all, even if you can find someone that does that does this for you. Mm-hmm. And let's say that there is some edge to be had. Well, let's let's look at that edge and who's going to be exploiting it. Is it going to be you on your laptop at home? Or is it going to be the group of PhD mathematicians with a- <laughs> With a supercomputer. With a supercomputer. And by the way, there's a lot of these guys out there, direct feed to the ASX trading, you know, where, they, where people actually, some of these high frequency traders position themselves closer to the exchange because even I though the know, speed of light- crazy? Even though the speed of light is the fastest thing possible, and that's what they're, that's what they're dealing with, with with fiber optic cable here, mm. there's actually a, there's a slight edge to be had. So mm-hmm. it's kind of- one, I don't think it makes any difference. Two, even if it did, you're unless you're at that level, you're not going to be competitive anyway. Mm. So it just like, you know, Paladin comes out and says something, 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 and the market just goes boom, right? Yeah. And it's just like it's a mistake to think that, A, you got that news first yes. and that you reacted fast enough to make any kind, any material difference. So I think it's it just, it's a distraction. Don't don't yeah. worry about it, is, is my personal view. I'm, people will disagree. Look, I, I actually completely agree with you, mate. With the one caveat, which I haven't seen how quickly the after hours market moves, and it's possible maybe that there is some slower to respond group of people who trade after hours rather than the, the normal people who use their supercomputers only during hours. But to your point, I'd find that remarkably unlikely. I doubt it. So, Ross, Seriously while you might know the, the price might be $100 at the close of trade, it might be 120 by the end of after hours trading. It'll open up tomorrow morning at 120 ish because that's where they finished the day before, unless there's new news. Um, and that 100 120 change probably happened at the equivalent of four o'clock and 30 seconds when after hours trading commenced immediately, right? They, mm. they, I, can, I hate the lingo, Matt. They're sort of gapping up or gapping down. It doesn't trade between $4 and $4.20 or $4.30. Sorry, what is $100? No. It doesn't trade between $100 and $120. It just traded $100, then straight at $120. There was no opportunity to buy in advance of the news, nor frankly trim your position if it was going to go from 80, well, 100 to 80 there's very, very, very rarely an opportunity to actually, as you said, mate, beat the market there because the market's going to recognise it straight away and do what it's going to do anyway. Uh, it, and so the, the rest of it, you know, would you like, I mean, you know, it's all control, it's all access. If you want it, go for it. I understand, by the way, I don't know, Ross, how to get that access. Um, I use Schwab and I have a feeling they mail out. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, do you really want it? Is it really going to be meaningfully additional to your returns? As Andrew said, I don't think so. It's, a, it's, what you, it's a recursive problem in, yeah. in the sense that it, it, whenever there's any opportunity out there mm. and sometimes they come along and they're, they're identified, mm. the very act of exploiting them renders them impractical. Yep. Yep, so so let's say that it's, it's true, right? Let, let's say that Ross is right and that by being able to sort of trade outside of market hours, uh, you, mm. you get a bit of an edge. Well, you know, you're not the first person to observe this and, and others will have observed it and will be exploiting mm. it. And that very act of exploiting it will render it in, 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 mm. impractical. It, it, it's it's turtles all the way down, right? And it just it just means that these mm. these things just never ever 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 are practically exploitable, unless you happen to be one of the very very first people to identify and exploit it, which is which statistically speaking is very very unlikely. The market goes from uninformed to informed, and if you can get in between those two two words, you can yep. make some money. But once it's informed and those trades happen to recognise the new news, then it's uh, the, there's no arbitrage there. I would also say too, just just look at look at all of the great long term investors and all, all the great returns that are made. It's sort of mm. like, you know, go. I know we always use. I'll use a different example that you raised the other day. Let's go back to REA Group ten mm. years ago, and let's say that you. Oh, I'd have to bring up the price because I'm not familiar with. It. Let, let's say that you bought it ten percent more expensive than it was at mm. that point in time. Yep, do you, yeah, you're right. Do you care? Like, yeah. does it make a difference? Yeah, but not really. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if it went to zero, does it make a difference? No, not really. Like the, the, when <laughs> when you look at the the yep. incredible wealth that is created, it is generally the, the big gains are made over over the years and decades, mm. and and the 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 difference in what you pay for it are rounding errors. It's, it's like go back go back to to two thousand and two and 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 you know and buy Amazon at twice as what it was worth. 100% more than the market pays. Yes, Do exactly, you, exactly. You're still doing incredibly well. Yeah. If you're at or, 3 or 6 or 12 or 20 or 100 or 100, you're 300 or 500 or 1,000 or 2,000, you still made a fortune. Now, you, you mentioned <laughs> Icentia before that it's down 97% yeah, yeah, yeah. for you. Imagine if, if someone at the time was able to buy it at half the price that you paid. <laughs> Okay, they're yeah, still down ninety something percent. Exactly. Like, yeah, do the maths right. on it. Right. it. It just it doesn't yes, make exactly. any difference. Exactly. It's like exactly. to, people people get way way too obsessed about these small things that just this turn out to be inconsequential in in the long term. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. 
My question from Liz, who says, Hi, Scott and Ram, love the pod. Now, Liz, I, I, you, you've, you've thrown about five different emojis in here. I'm going to have to try and describe these, which frankly is not fair. So, Ram, help me out as I go through this one. Love the pod. Makes my time in traffic a great deal better. And your opinions, thoughts, and hilarious rants help me through my work day. Star Smiling eyes. Smiling face with starry eyes. All right, I'm through the first emoji. Question for the pod. I'm only a few years into investing and I've really enjoyed opening my mind to a whole new world. But what I, capital D, capital O, capital N-O-T, do not enjoy is looking at the red of the losers in my portfolio. It makes me sad, annoyed and cranky. And crazy face. face with a, is a crazy face? Okay. I'm cool. going to go crazy glad face. Glad you're with the cool kids. All right. My question is, how or when do you stop caring about the losers? I know you can't win them all. I'm competitive, so I love to win. Love it, capital love it. But how do you know when the losers uh, will always be losers and it's time to sell? I know Ram will say it depends on your investment thesis. <laughs> He's smiling, so that's possible. But what happens if you are if you are early in your investing journey and just bought certain stocks because they seemed like interesting companies? I'm nearly a year into owning companies like Catapult, Origin Energy, Kogan, Drink. Now what's party, that emoji? Party. Party face. Party face, all right. Push pay and Zipco. And they're all down between 5 and 40%. Sad cry face. <laughs> Tell you why. How good is this? This is great radio. Is the best best path the out of sight, out of mind approach or just keep them there to remind me it's easy to be wrong? Help. What do you both do? Thanks as always. Uh, sunglasses emoji. And then and, uh, dance emoji. There we go. That's from Liz. <laughs> L-A-S. I, I was Liz yeah, great Liz. question. Isn't it? Yeah. What do you do, mate? Uh, it's, it's like I, I think uh, uh, so I said earlier maybe it was in last week's one that it, it just sucks I don't care how experienced <laughs> or, you know it just sucks who That's you are how exactly aware it. of you yep. it just yep. it sucks I've yep. got catapult shares oh man they've not gone well lately <laughs> you know I'm not happy yep. about it yep um uh, so you know what do, what do you do about it well mm. like I guess I, for me it's always just a, a refocus and just just come back and ask yourself what has changed well obviously the share price has changed that's that's mm, the thing mm. that's right in front of you and that's what's causing all the emotional grief <laughs> yeah. but what else has changed yeah like honestly i i, I put it out there Liz. They, you, you tell me what's changed and um, nothing mm. they had mm. really mm. incredible mm. result uh recently i don't think the business has ever been in better shape markets disagrees so so in that case i don't do a damn thing probably be tempted to buy some more to be honest so help me out though, mate. So that's, mm. that's what you do. This is the rational decision. This is the actions you take. Liz's question is, how do you stop caring? So that's I, a whole different thing, right? So what yeah. I should do is, well, I should. I know that this happened, so I should buy some more or I should hang on or I should look at the value of the business. Mm. That, that's kind of in the, in the rational, whichever side of the brain, the rational side of the brain is supposed to be. I can never remember. But how do you stop caring? Like just, I, you I, I, know, I, hear you you, I hear you, I hear you, but I still, I still hate it. You can't. I mean, how do you? You can't. You know, it's 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 unavoidable. It's going to feel really crappy. <laughs> it just is. And I, I, I wish I had a hack to say, oh, just do this and you won't feel it anymore. You're, you're always going to feel it. Um, so there's there's no way around it. But you've just you've just got to remind yourself mm. Mm. and and just you know, like uh, like eating well. Like you know, it's just like yeah. I really would love to just live on chocolate and ice cream. Um, but you know, I have, a, I have f- a, a couple of milk coffee biscuits and a coke syrup in front of me, mate. So I don't appreciate the analogy. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's like exercise, right? It's gonna you go for a walk around the block or a jog or something. It's just it's always gonna it's not it's not as good as sitting on the couch and stuffing your face full of chips. But but you know. You know that it's the right thing to do, and you know that it'll have really wonderful long-term benefits if you're consistent on on that. You know, whether or not you can you can actually follow through on that. That's that's the hard part. But it's just all all I can say is I just continually remind myself of that fact mm-hmm. and try my best to to ignore the other half, even though I, I can't ever fully ignore it. So there, there's no easy. I, I would love I would love Liz. <laughs> I would love to sort of say just do this and then don't worry about yep. it. Yep. There's, it. It really sucks. It really 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 sucks, and it, it just it always will. But but okay. but that's but that's 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 why most people don't do very well at it because mm. they just they can't handle that. I think that that is the edge that you can have as a private investor is is to be mm. to have a high degree of emotional fortitude. Mm. That that is far better than a high IQ <laughs> when <laughs> it comes so to true. this. It's so, so much true. better. You know so the people the people who who get that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got a massive edge over the person with 180 IQ that gets just mm. really, you know, flighty <laughs> every time there's a bit of volatility. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I don't. I, what, what do you do, Scott? I don't know. Do you have a better um, better answer? No, I have no better answer. Um, I think the answer is to some degree um, experience. 
it, just having gone through it, you know, mm. um, knowing that things improve. And this is this is you, you can't teach this stuff, and you can't give it to somebody. You just have to go through it. But the more you go through it, the more you realize it happens. Mm. Um, the GFC sucked. The COVID crash, honestly, mate, was a relative breeze for me. And my my portfolio got smashed because I owned, I said travel stocks and retailers, and I got smashed, completely smashed. Um, and I kind of went. Oh, that sucks. Now, to be fair, I didn't give my wife a daily update about portfolio value because that would have been stupid. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no you only talk about it when it goes well. That's, oh, that's exactly, my, exactly. my life hack. Yeah. Actually, we don't, I don't do either, actually, generally speaking. I just I just kind of let it do its thing. Um, but, yeah, you, but well, so my point was that when you've been through it, the more you, the more time you've been investing, the easier it is to deal with it. Not not easy. It doesn't make it easy. It makes it easier, which is important. Um, last question, mate, quickly on, on this question, which is how do you know? So you, as she says, or he says, it depends on your investment thesis is going to be your answer. But the market isn't wrong all that often, mm. or at least not by that much, and at least mm. for not that long. And if that's true, then at some point, the question of, I'm really confident, I'm really confident, I'm really confident, I'm really confident, man, I must be missing something, man, I must be missing something, oh, bugger, it's gone broke. Or some version of that where, you know, at some point, you know, it's it's the, there's, there's an arrogance in, well, I'm just going to assume I'm right because I had a good thesis at one point. Versus, actually, you know what? I might just be outright wrong. How do you how do you delineate those those decisions of oh, so it's time right. for me to admit defeat, accept I was wrong, versus I'm going to have the confidence of my convictions and hang on because I still think I'm right. But there's 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 a rational answer. There's a psychological answer in there. There's so much. There's market volatility where frankly the market is wrong a lot for short periods of time, but. How do you kind of do that, all that? What's the, what's the, is there an answer to that? How do you do it? I think for me, what I find really, really, really helpful, um, and I just mm. use Strawman for that. So just on that, so Strawman's closed in terms of our premium membership, but the, you can open mm. up a free account and you can you can use the thing as a as an investment diary. Nice. And, and it's so – don't use – I don't care if you use Strawman. Use, use a Google Doc. I don't care. But write it down. Mm. Write down why you're buying this company. Um, the very act of crystallizing those thoughts into writing mm. will clarify your thinking better than anything else <laughs> because you sort of have these ethereal sort of thoughts that will fly like that and they're doing yeah. this and someone yeah. I said liked it. And it's just it all sort of bubbles around and you sort of form a general, you have a certain feeling towards mm. it. Mm. But then you say to someone, okay, we'll get out a piece of paper and write down. Write, mm. write, write as if you're writing a letter to a, to a good friend and why they should buy the shares. And it that's actually really hard. Actually, now I've got to put it into writing, but it, it will identify for you areas, uh, the holes in your thinking, and it will force you to sort of articulate uh, why you like it. But so, so that amazingly valuable, so so mm. valuable. But the other value, which is equally as, as potent, is that it then gives you a really important touchstone when things inevitably change in the future. Mm. Mm. So when to ask yourself, am I wrong or is the market wrong? Well, you can look back on what you said. Well, I was buying this because I thought that X, Y, and Z. And, and now I've got something to, to look at. Now, you know, a few months or years have passed and now I can say, mm. well, I, this is mm. why I bought it. Is this still relevant? Some yeah. cases it will be. In some cases it won't. If it's not, you've, it's broken. The thesis is broken. Get mm. out. Um, and then maybe, maybe you can reformulate it in uh, starting again and, and you can get back in. But I think, I think that is a process that will help you immeasurably. And I can't, I can't stress it enough. And so what, again, I'll, 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 I'll spring straw, man. And I'm, Go it's, on. All, it's all free. So what, what you can do is you can bring up uh, a company page as a free user. It'll all be private. Only you can see it. But you can write what you like about the company in there. Create a bunch of what we call them straws, kind of like tweets, you know, bull case, management, risks, whatever you want. Right? We'll create a bunch mm. of them. And mm. you can also put in a price that you think is fair. And then you can set a price alert on that as well. So you can you log back on and you'll see that, oh, okay, I said that this is why I like the business. I always thought it would be good value around $1.20. Turns out that it's now come below that. <laughs> has anything changed? No, it has. Mm-hmm. No, it hasn't. You know, the thing's given me a notification to say, oh, it's actually hit your price. You know, it, it just mm-hmm. it just helps hold you to account. And and it was very, very deliberately designed that way. So, you know, I, I, hopefully it helps. I'll, look, I'll use Catapult as an example, not to speak about stocks and certainly don't run out and do no, anything it. With, with it. Yep. But here, so I bought this company. I've actually done pretty well on it over the years, although, you know, lately it hasn't hasn't been that great. But I've got, the, they, are, they are the market leader in the sports analytics industry. Um, they are five times larger than their nearest competitor. Real Madrid, you know, the biggest sporting teams on the planet use them. Um, and 
their top line has been growing on average for many years now at about 20% per annum. Mm. And it's also an industry itself which is growing incredibly rapidly. Like any industry, it's, it's, it's going digital. And so all these athletes are measuring and tracking everything. It's still like a Fitbit but on mm. steroids, mm. right? It's just it's really, really <laughs> powerful. And now they've got tactics and coaching solutions that go around that and video analytics. It's just really mm. powerful. So any, any elite sporting team around the world, and there's at least 10,000 of these teams around the world when you look at all the various leagues, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they've been they've been converting their business model to a um, uh, to a subscription. From they used to mm-hmm. do capital sales, you'd sell it up front. Now they sort of charge a little bit each year, and that that the economics of that mean that you actually suffer a little bit in the interim as that sort mm-hmm. of plays out. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the underlying metrics, it's going from strength to strength to strength. You know, it's like what's changed? Absolutely nothing has changed. Um, but the market didn't like their latest result, and so it sold it off. And I, I can't work out why. It sucks. <laughs> I don't like it. I wish it didn't. But at the same time, I've got I've written yeah. all of this down in great detail and more, and yeah. I can go back to it and I can look and say what's changed. Nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is now it's cheaper. So in fact, by definition, it's a better opportunity than than I thought of, than even at the time. Except um, that. Except that. That's all true as long as your thesis is right in the first place. Nothing's oh yeah, changed, true. You still like it. But if you're actually yeah. wrong outright, how do you confront the? The possibility that just the thesis itself is—I mean, as you say, there's one thing. Well, has anything changed? No, I still think. So I'm going to use an example, right? So um, corporate travel—I owned right through that period of time. We had a recommendation right through that period of time because we mm-hmm. thought that Mike was overreacting. The travel would come back. Everything will be okay. Turns out that was the case, right? The right thesis. On the other hand, we recommended uh, shares of retail food group RFG, mm-hmm. and we recommended that right through from whatever the price got up to down to about something stupid under a dollar before we eventually sold it. And on the way down was my thought, my belief, that I got completely wrong, at least in terms of the share price subsequently, that this was a business that was unduly impacted by the impact of journalism. I would say activism, activist journalism, but you can make, draw your own conclusions. That the fundamental underscore, un, un, the underlying business was actually still sound. There's nothing to change in terms of the number of coffees people are going to buy or what, what that looked like. Uh, but the number of franchisees that were signing up was impacted by the fact that Frankly, no one was touching it with a barge pole because all this bad news was around. Mm. And so my conviction was it will it is worth more than the market's assuming once things normalise and come back. Now, that was just so far at least and probably forever absolutely wrong. But I held on my conviction because that was my belief and that was my belief and that was my belief. Nothing had changed about that view except that I was just outright wrong and outright wrong for a long period of time while the shares crated. And frankly, we were still some unhappy members about that and fair enough too. So there's that, right? There's one that has anything changed? No. Was I wrong? Yeah, seems like it. I, I'm not. I'm not prepared to call any any thesis closed until the eventual the time eventually plays out. Maybe corporate travel will goes to zero. Maybe after you go to ten dollars, who knows? But it, in in the interim, it looks like I was right about corporate travel. It looks like I was wrong about RFG. I held conviction in both those positions for for those reasons. It wasn't that the circumstances changed. It was I got it wrong. How do you how do you how do you deal with that? Because that's the listeners' question. It's fine to say I still believe it. I'm still going to keep on. One or more of the companies might be low. His companies might be just dogs. No, be bad ideas, and, and maybe recognizing that error is part of the process. How do you do that? How do you how do, how do you work out when your thesis is wrong? Well, it's also a question of just losing conviction in it as well. So to take RFG, you, you felt as though look, there's a bit of there's a bit of bad press out there mm. that's causing mm. people to sign up, but it, but it will it will normalize. Yes, that's a reasonable reasonable wrong. standpoint to take. But yeah. then you know a bit of time passed, and then a bit more time passed, and it just mm. it just didn't. Turn. So at a point, you know, you you could have made the argument that it's just sort of like it wasn't an unreasonable thing to think, mm. but mm. it turns out that it actually was a lasting thing, and these things tend to yeah. feed on themselves as well. Yeah. And so even though you might have still thought that I, I probably you know your conviction in that waned as well mm. and you sort of hit a point where it's just like well I still kind of think that that might be the case but am I as confident as I was before mm. um, and there's nothing wrong with that so it's not as though you will ever you will never know it's your point maybe <laughs> corporate travel goes to zero maybe yeah. RFG goes up a hundredfold from you you don't yeah. you don't yeah. ever know but your conviction in that can can change and when you get to a point where it's just you don't have a high conviction I think mm. for me that's the point that you that you get out Um so <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy, is it? It's really, it's really not, not easy. Can I, yeah. can I, can I suggest an alternative, mate? Uh, and this is, again, one you might completely disagree with, which would be great if you do. Um, I, I have a, you, you've heard me say this before, but be slow to buy and even slower to sell is my general thought around this sort of stuff. And David Gardner, the Motley Fool co-founder and chief rule breaker, um, talks about, you know, by the time his losers are, have lost, they're so small they're almost inconsequential anyway. Mm. And so there's an argument, and I don't necessarily. I think this is probably, if I look at Share Advisor, our service is now, as I said, ten years old last week, 
and I looked at the long-term history of that, I probably would have been better never to have sold, including the losers like RFG, because others that have I've sold and have gone to do even better, I missed the upside. Mm. And I'm I'm almost going to say that depending on your portfolio and your diversification, your goals and that kind of stuff, there's a straight argument to say, hey, if you've been wrong enough for long enough and the shares are worth that little, possibly not a great amount of time spent thinking about whether to sell or not, better off looking for new opportunities and moving from there. And maybe it might be better in your own portfolio to say, hey, just don't sell, why sell? Just just move on, collect the, the assets. Um, if they're, yeah, if it's a 58% position and you, 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 you've decided the whole thing's broken, that's a different question. Um, but in the uncertainty, I'm not sure it would be better just to hang on rather than try and work out when the best price, time, whatever is to sell and devote that time to finding the next big winner rather than worrying about whether or not RFG is going to fall from 28 cents to 10 cents. Um, well, in the meantime, you could be finding something that's going to go from a dollar to $5. Any, any yeah. value in that? No, I, actually, I, I have a lot of sympathy for that view. I, the one the one sort of consideration there, though, is in a newsletter service, you have infinite capital. Yeah. So in the sense that each each month you get to make a new recommendation and, yes. you, and, and you're measured on that as if it was sort of like, you know, the same <laughs> yeah. amount sort of put in. Yeah. In the real world... Some people like, now, if you're if you're employed and you're saving a regular amount, that's that's probably a, a fair comparison. Mm. But there'll be a lot of people who don't, uh, who only have mm. what they have in the market, and so for them, it's kind of like, well, then for them to buy something, they have to sell something to free up capital mm. to buy the next thing. So yep. it's so it's so there's a practical element to that. So I think mm. if you're in a situation where you you've got fresh capital coming in all the time, I've actually got a lot of sympathy for that approach. If you're not, and a lot of people aren't, or even if it's a question of, well, you are, but, you know, I'll just give a stupid number. Let's say you've got a $10 million mm. portfolio, but you're saving 100 bucks a week. You know, that's really whatever, even though you get fresh capital to come along every week to sort of invest, it's just like it's never going to move the dial overall. So depending on how all of that kind of settles out, I, I think that for, for a lot of people, if it's always the, the, one of the big ideas in investing that people have to get their head around is this idea of opportunity cost. And so mm. while that's true, it's a very small position, doesn't really matter, and the other ones are doing the heavy lifting and making up for it, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. But, you know, maybe you had $10,000 this thing and now it's worth $2,000 in it. But that, that $2,000 can be put in. There's no tax on it because you've made a loss. In fact, there's a tax benefit. So, so for the sake of, you know, 10 bucks brokerage or whatever, you can pick it up mm. and put it somewhere else. And yeah. whenever you're not doing that, you're, you're suffering an opportunity cost drag mm. on, on, on that capital. So I, I, I'm... I think in those circumstances, you are you are best to sort of say, eh, I got it wrong. It's going like we said at the start. Forty percent of the time, I'm at best, <laughs> you know, uh, if I'm lucky, I'm going to get it wrong. And this is one of those instances. And I'm wrong not because the share price went down. I'm wrong because the thesis was busted and my thinking and my rationale and everything mm. behind it. Mm. My expectations for the business turned out to be wrong. Get the hell out. Move on. Put it into something else. Um, add, mm. add to something else that's, that's doing a lot. Be- business is doing a lot better. Um, does that make sense? It does indeed. It does indeed. Mate, Lucas had a similar question. I'm not gonna, we're not going to answer it separately unless we add some thoughts. But basically, he just said, look, I've got some shares. Uh, they've dropped about 30%. He said, look, do you, do you have any updated views? Do you have any more convictions for a couple of stocks that we've recommended in some of our services? Um, he said, is this a good time to dollar cost average down for newer members who may have bought higher or could this be a new down level? re-rating, sorry, due to all the inflation talk going on? Do we buy the dip and keep adding? I know we should be looking three years ahead, but thought it may be a good time to talk about it before the holidays or during the holidays, as it turns out, uh, or for the mental side of investing. Cheers and full on, Lucas. It's the same thing, right? It's the, mm. it's the business versus the share price. And I think in yeah. that case, um, if there's a difference, there's a difference. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the best the best mental exercise here is, as we've said before, is just imagine you've get, – get rid of the mental mm. baggage mm. and the yes. history of yeah. it. Yep. You know, so all of this stuff has happened and you can't you just can't change the past. But what you can right. do is act for the future. And so you just imagine you inherited your portfolio, right, from yeah. someone else. And that, that's where it sits. doesn't really matter what the profit or loss is. You hold X dollars in company A, Y dollars in company B, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are you, are you happy with that? Then, mm. then, then no need to act. If, if there are changes that you feel need to be made, then, then make it. Just, just look forward. Don't look backwards. Backwards is really important yep. for for record keeping, for tax, for performance <laughs> measurement. It's all of that kind of stuff. Yep. In terms of, it, but it just it just does not impact your future returns. It can't. It, all, all you can do is Im- impact the future. So you. And it's not going to tell you whether a business is worth owning at the current price either. No, 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 no. It might have been really expensive before, dropped thirty percent, and it's still really expensive. 
Yes, you know, exactly. Maybe if you exactly. maybe if you blinked into existence today, you'd look at it and go, I don't care. You can drop down another eighty percent. I still wouldn't mm. touch it with a barge hole. Or maybe you thought it was great value, and now it's thirty percent. It's even better value. But mm. you, you won't be able to answer that question until you've got you've formed some independent view of of where the true value actually lies. I know that's a hard question. It's a big question, one that requires a lot of work. But it's the only kind of question that that mm. you you can ask that, that makes any logical sense i mean otherwise what what framework what context is there for this price it's just it's higher or lower depending on where it was not higher or lower depending on where it intrinsically is mm-hmm. you know what I, I, I got a question okay i'm sorry yeah I, does that make sense yeah, it does. No, it absolutely yeah. does. Absolutely does. My question from Alex, who has a really interesting question. I haven't had this one before. Hi, Scott and Andrew. I have a question that's a bit open-ended and possibly a bit niche, but I thought it could lend itself to a discussion within your upcoming pre-recorded summer series. Here we are, which I understand is a bit more pre-recorded than the usual podcast. It is, Alex. Thank you. What are your thoughts, impressions, or objections to rules-based or regular rebalancing strategies, such as Joel Greenblatt's magic formula and Tobias Carlyle's acquirer's multiple? I find these investing approaches interesting and conceptually sound, at least to a point. And I might even be tempted to buy one of the US listed ETFs based on these strategies one day. Personally, while I might incorporate these strategies as part of a screening process, I still find the approach of buy, hold, quality value investors like Buffett and Lynch more appealing. Would be interested to hear your thoughts, Alex. Now, just quickly, the, the magic formula approach, I don't know much about the acquirers multiple actually, but magic formula approach basically says, hey, you rebalance your portfolio, you go and find the highest performing companies at the cheapest prices and you buy those and then next time around you sell them all and just buy back the next lot of cheapest and, and best. In theory, if you're always buying the best at the cheapest prices, um, a bit like Andrew said, if you, you, know, you take your portfolio out of cash every so often, every year I suppose it is, and then buy back just the best ones, in theory... That's a market-beating potential. Uh, Alex mm-hmm. saying, hey, I get kind of I, I find it attractive because it kind of makes conceptual sense, but I kind of find myself still a bit of a Lynch Buffett investor. Would be interested to hear your thoughts. What do you reckon, mate? Do you, do you kind of go for the, the rebalancing formulaic approach or do you go for the kind of, you know, buy stuff, sit in it for a very long time and get rich? Well, the interesting thing about these approaches is that they, they appear because when you backtest, they work really well. Mm-hmm. But but there's always danger in backtesting because the future is is <laughs> often true. different to the to the past. Yeah, um, it's also true to say that even for the ones that that seem to have worked pretty well, that they mm. still, like any approach, suffer long periods of underperformance <laughs> and and the rest mm. of it. Mm. And within that, they only kind of work when you do it on a large enough scale. So it's not as though you can have a portfolio of ten stocks using. Joel Greenblatt's magic formula kind of mm. thing because it works mm. at scale or at least in, mm. in the past it's because he's bought like, you know, a thousand stocks and, yeah. and you know, 450 of them completely didn't work out. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. so it's kind of one of the, if, if you're going to follow it, you kind of have to really sort of follow it and that there's sort of like practical uh, difficulties with with doing that as a, as a mm. private investor. Um so I think there I don't I don't tend to where I've evolved as an investor is I've found that um, the qualitative things just tend to be the most important things. Mm. So all of these all of sort of these um, rules based kind of things mm. all depend on things that you can measure. So mm. in Joel Greenblatt's it's a, I think it's return on equity and the the earnings yep. yield or yeah, something like yeah, those yeah, those those yeah, two metrics. Right, but doesn't tell you anything about management. Doesn't tell you anything about um, mm. uh, company strategy. Tells you nothing about the competitive position. You know, there are all of these things that just don't. You can't have a metric for, and you can't put into a spreadsheet, and you can't scan against. Mm. And I find that as I've as I've gone on, it's just sort of not that I don't look at those kinds of things. I think they they do tell a story, and they they are revealing in some way. But it's more how they all sort of fit together in aggregate, mm. and mm. and how you can perhaps explain them through the qualitative fuzzy kinds of things yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that that you can't do it so but each to their own each to their own so but I'm with you Alex I, I think the I think the the Lynch Buffett kind of style more appealing and even even within that there's there's plenty of things that those guys have done that I mm-hmm. that I don't do you you've really got to find your own way is is the is the bottom line what resonates for you what makes sense what's kind of got a bit of evidence sort of behind it what gels with your temperament and your skill set 
Um, and you just, you, you'll find that it, it changes. And I'm a very inve- different investor today than I was even five years ago. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that when I look back in the year 2027, I'll look at myself today and go, oh, how cute, you know. <laughs> I used to think this, you know, and it just, it just changes. It, 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 should, it should change. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> That's a really unsatisfying answer. I wish I could be more specific. No, it's a, it's a really good one. I find myself in a similar place to you, mate. Um, and a pretty good reason. I think this is it is kind of temperament, right? Like I could imagine in a different universe, I'm a massive Magic Formula fan. Because mm. I, particularly as a young, and you want to change as an investor. As a young investor, I've said many times, I knew 60 ratios, right? And I calculated them all. I put them in Excel and I, I knew you know the price of everything and the value of nothing. That, that was absolutely where I was. I could imagine that turning into a, hey, this Magic Formula thing seems to work. If I replicate the strategy, I can beat the market. Why wouldn't you try and just own the best stuff you can find? I think it's, I think I would speculate that a magic formula ETF would do better than an average ETF. And I think if I was going to buy an ETF, I could absolutely imagine myself buying into a magic formula style ETF. I could absolutely imagine doing that. It's also, though, true to your point, mate, about backtesting that things like, for example, value investing was all the rage for decades. Mm. And the last decade has done really badly relative to growth. Not really badly overall, I don't think, but really badly relative to growth. Does that mean value investing is dead because it doesn't backtest anymore? Or does that mean the future when it when mean reverts is a big opportunity? Conversely, is growth the new thing or is growth the bubble that's waiting to pop because it's so it's so dramatically outperformed value for good reasons, bad reasons, question mark, don't know. Um, I don't have a view, but you know what I mean? It's hard to really rely on that stuff. Like, you know, when stuff changes, it changes. Ben Graham used to invest, funnily enough, you talk about screens. Warren Buffett's mentor, Ben Graham, actually invested doing a magic formula style thing but with book value and he invested in literally hundreds and I think even thousands of companies over his mm. lifetime. So he was saying this really massive scale screening opportunity, buying everything that fit these criteria. Um, that, that's been competed away. That doesn't exist anymore. And no. so when, when those things stop working, they stop working. The same is true of individual investing, by the way, because prices, values, investor expectations change. Um, frankly, I think growth only works because investors currently or, or historically in the last, but recently historically, have been undervaluing the future growth. Mm. There's no reason There's no reason that tech stocks should be do well, right? Or what, what it says, if today's value was right, if the market's got tech right now, it means it was undervalued then. Yeah. It's not because they don't do well because they're tech. They do well because we undervalued tech then or overvalue it now or both. Mm. Not because tech has anything magical about it. If you said, hey, Amazon should be worth $1,000 at IPO rather than $9 at IPO, if the market had realised or recognised, then we would Amazon would have been a, an average stock over the last twenty five years. Mm. You know, we have a very different conversation about exactly the same company. So price matters. Um, bottom line, I have no issue with it. I, I think, from what I understand, Greenblatt's approach is fundamentally sound, and I wouldn't criticise anyone for doing it. Um, I, you do tend to miss out on the compound gains, and you want to be a little bit careful. You don't kind of, you know. Um, you don't miss those. I, I, I imagine if you'd bought and sold and bought and sold Amazon based on the magic formula, would you have done better than holding Amazon for the whole time? Maybe, maybe. Or maybe the year you didn't own it, if it came back in between those periods of time, you sold it on, on December 31. By the next December 31, it had gone up, you know, 400%. And then you bought it back. You, if you missed too many years of those gains, you, you probably you probably struggle. So yeah. I think I would, I think I would, um, oh, again, I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize anyone for doing it. It's not my style either. Maybe it's the best way I put it. Yeah. Mate, I reckon we're pretty done for the first, that's not bad for the first podcast of the new year. Started with a bang. Yeah. Uh, pretty happy about that. Hopefully you've, you've enjoyed our answers to your questions. We appreciate you sending them through. Really good questions. Always. Yeah, they were really good, great questions. Hard questions. <laughs> and uh, the good news, mate, will you, will, you, will, you, will you make 2022 and better than 2021 and come back again for me? I will try. I will absolutely yeah. try. Well, I will, I will try to make it better. I mean, I will be back, <laughs> but I will try to make it better. Clear as mud. That was Andrew Page. I'm Scott Phillips. Thank you for spending a little bit of your time with us. If you want to follow Andrew, do so on Sage underscore CBN or Strawman Invest on Twitter. You can get me at TMF Scott P on Twitter and Insta and Scott Phillips Money on Facebook. Until next Friday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.